This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. This morning, as we open God's perfect word, we will be in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Um, Thankful for everyone who plays the role in discipling someone else. And so I know for all of us it's, it's important to be poured into and to be pouring out into others. Let's take a moment and just pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we do come before you. And Lord, I just am thankful for the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of sins that is bestowed upon us, Lord. Not because we're better than anyone else. Because the truth of the matter is, Lord, we're we're not. Our sins, inside and out, compel us to the fact that we need a Savior We need someone other than ourselves to redeem us. And the gospel tells us that that person, that one who came, is God himself. Taking on human flesh, living a sinless life so that he could go to the cross of sinners. What marvelous truth is proclaimed. What great love is described that our God would take on human flesh and stand in our place, having all of our sin placed upon him and nailed to that tree so that we truly can be looked at by the Father and seen to be in Christ, pure and sinless. The fact that right now we can pray and know that we're heard because of Christ The fact that we understand that we have been given the full inheritance of Christ. And that down payment is the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and for convicting of sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing real conviction and love. Love for God and love for our neighbor. Thank you for the church that you build up. In the name of Christ, as the word of Christ goes through all the land and people repent and and begin to acknowledge Christ as their their redeemer as well. What a great privilege it is to sing your praises. What a great opportunity to glorify your name. And yet, Lord, we recognize this is the truth of true wisdom. To know who we are and to know who you are. And so, God, I pray that you would impart that wisdom upon our hearts today. 
I pray that you would unblind our eyes, you would unclog our ears, that you would melt our hearts, and that we would be transformed. God, pray that we would not be the same people who walked in this place, who are hardened by sin, who are affected by the circumstances outside this room. But God, that as we have come here today to worship you, that you would receive our worship because of Christ and that we would leave here transformed. God, do a good work in us. Create us more in the image of your beloved Son, our Savior, Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would use your word. I pray that you would use the preaching of your word. Lord, while I know I'm a fallible man, I pray that the infallible word of God would be proclaimed with clarity and power. And I pray, Lord, that you would guard my words, that I would not say anything more nor less than you've given me to say, but God, I pray that I would be faithful to your word completely. And I pray, God, that you would do a mighty work in this church and that you would draw us to yourselves yourself, Lord, and that we would be transformed, that we would be the light that we need to be in a world of darkness, that we would be a city set upon a hill, that those who are far off would be drawn to you. We pray these things believing you will do even better than we know how to ask. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Friends, it's amazing the phases of intelligence a parent goes through in the eyes of their child. When I was in elementary age, I remember looking at my father as almost a hero, as almost larger than life. He seemed to be the wisest man who ever lived. He seemed to know how to do everything. And then I hit my teenage years. It seemed almost like overnight my father lost all his wisdom. It appeared he had some sort of wisdom leak or something. It it seemed that all of a sudden I knew everything better than my dad. It wasn't until much later when I was married and had my own first home that all of a sudden it seemed my father got all his wisdom back yet again. It seemed as almost overnight that he lost it. It seemed that almost overnight he gained his keen insights and they came rushing back and I couldn't believe all the things my father knew. So I ask you this morning to raise your hand if that was your personal experience as well. Amen. All kidding aside though, I think one of the most important things that I miss since the loss of my father is just the ability to talk to him. Just the ability to gain his insights, his perspective on life. My father taught me a lot of things, most of which I'd learned as we were working side by side on some type of project. I can't tell you the number of times I wished my dad was here now to help me think through a specific task, to do a specific project, just to show me one of his unique tricks that he had in his bag of gimmicks about doing some project. 
See, the truth is, each one of us in this room, we all lack wisdom. Each one of us in this room, we need instruction. Yet the problem today is that our society has a viewpoint in which new is always better than old. New is always better than old. We're told this in every respect because we live in a consumer society where they're constantly making new projects, new gimmicks, new, new inventions that we need to consume. So we've been trained to throw away the old and to only appreciate the new. Our society has no need for the aged But I understand, and you must understand something important. By pushing our olders aside, we're losing wisdom. And ultimately, our society will be one that pays for this loss. I say this because it's true. Our society is pushing older people aside in the pursuit of the new and the trendy. We laugh at the older people who don't understand the way our iPhones work. We don't have the patience to work with those who don't get about understanding uh, how we watch TV without cable today. Our frustrations build when we have to slow down and explain things, but we forget that society is moving faster and faster, and before long, we will be in that same chair. All the while rejecting the deep wisdom they possess. What is wisdom? Wisdom has been defined as applied knowledge. Others have defined wisdom as experiential judgment. And the truth is, as I stated already, each and every one of us is in a quest for wisdom. You just may not recognize it yet. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Job. And Job had a lot of horrific things happen to him. And later in the book, he asks a question. He asks this, where shall wisdom be found? Job came to a place in all of the calamity, all of the distress, all of the problems. He finally recognized he needed wisdom. And so will we. When destruction comes, when difficulties come, just as I struggle in a project in which desperately my dad could just give me the wisdom, we too will find ourselves Seeking wisdom. Friend, if you don't know Job's life, I encourage you to read his book entitled by his name, Job. This man suffered loss in ways that many of us can never comprehend. He lost all of his earthly wealth. He lost his children. He lost his home. He lost even his physical health. And Job found himself looking to the heavens and asking, where shall wisdom be found? Friend, the same is true for you when you face difficulty. That's when you most desire wisdom. Hardship has a way of humbling us. Hardship has a way of removing pride and bringing us to a place that we will listen to anyone who possesses it. 
And so Job's question, where can wisdom be found, becomes important to all of us. As the very reason we should listen to this book, the book of Proverbs. In fact, in our chapter, chapter 2, verse 5, we're told specifically where wisdom can be found. Look at verse 5. Wisdom can be found in fear and knowledge of God. When you're in the hardships of life and the difficulty you face and you're all stressed out and you're wondering, where is my help? Proverbs says, in God. In the fear and the knowledge of God. For in the fear and the knowledge of God is the ultimate place where wisdom is. Specifically in the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, we need to understand in the New Testament, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. When Jesus took on human flesh, he demonstrated for all of us what true wisdom looked like. The Apostle Paul understood this. In his letter to the Colossians, he writes in chapter 2, verse 3, that is in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ. You want to know how to find wisdom? You want to know knowledge? Look to Christ. See, church, to embrace wisdom means to embrace Christ. I say this as a parent. And I speak to other parents. And if you're not a parent, don't tune out because we're all called to be disciple makers. And we're all called to pour into others. But as parents, as disciple makers, the most important wisdom we can pass on is the knowledge and reverence or fear of God. That's it. As as helpful as, as learning plumbing from my dad as as helpful as learning woodworking from my dad or, or how to change a tire is from my dad, as helpful as all those things were, the most important thing I can teach my children is the knowledge and the reverence for God. So church, I ask you a very important question. How have your difficulties caused you to look for wisdom that only God can provide? And how have you been sharing that wisdom with others? See, God makes no mistakes. All of the hardships, all of the difficulties force us to come humbly and to look up like Job. Where can wisdom be found? And Jesus says, here I am. It's in me. But it forces all of us to say, how have my difficulties forced me to look to Christ? And how am I passing the knowledge and the reverence for Christ onto others? That's the most important thing any of us can do. In fact, when Jesus was leaving the earth to ascend to heaven... The one mandate he gave his disciples was to go and make disciples. Go, give them knowledge of me. 
Give them reverence for me. That's true wisdom. That's the greatest task any of us can be about. But what does it look like? What does it look like to pass that along? What does it look like in those who are being discipled? Well, I draw your attention to verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, my son. Notice this is a father speaking to his son. This is a father passing on his wisdom to his own son. My son. Then notice the third word. And circle it if you're writing your Bibles. That word is if. One of the greatest words in the Bible. If. If you receive my word and treasure them up, my commandments with you. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure. Then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The great if-thens of the Bible are so important as they draw our attention to what God is requiring from each of us. If, then. The son's listening. The son earnestly desiring to gain the wisdom from his father. But was he? We don't know the specific circumstances of this writing. Maybe everything was cool, and maybe, maybe at this point in the story, maybe it's an elementary age, and, and, the, and the young one is listening to the father and saying, yeah, tell me, because you're my hero, and everything you say matters. I'm paying attention. Wouldn't we like to believe that's where he's at? But oh, the fear, the dread that this is the teenage years. And as the father is talking to the son, the teenager says, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand who I am. I understand way more than you, man. Back off. Wasted words that the father would be giving the son in that response. Or maybe it's a now older son who has a family of his own, his own house, his own projects, his own responsibility. And now this, this sage of a dad is speaking words of wisdom to his mature son who's finally willing to listen. It forces us, the reader, to ask, which of those is me? Am I the young elementary age where I'm ready to just take in whatever is given and, and I believe it? Storing it away for days that may come when tribulation may be something we face? Or have I grown up in the church and I've grown hard-hearted and I'm used to hearing these things and really it doesn't matter all that much because the world has way more wisdom than you. Or maybe you're sitting here and saying, Aaron, I've, I know a thing or two about tough times. I know about difficulty and struggle, and I'm listening. 
So when the Father speaks, I'm listening because I want that information. Well, friend, if that is you, good news. Because the if that is required, the responsibility, the discipline, the determination that's talked about in our text is telling us there's a payoff. And that payoff is found in verse 5, where you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God. You will be blessed if, if you receive my words. See, receiving requires action. There are many times I, I was teaching as, as, a, as a history teacher, and I could tell my, my students were just kind of tuning out. They were just kind of tuning out. My mouth was moving, but man, they weren't hearing a thing I was saying. Sometimes you guys look like that. And trust me, as a teacher, I knew. I knew. I could see it in their eyes. I could see it in their, in their glazy looks. But to those who were actually listening, as they would lean forward, as they would take notes, as they didn't want to miss anything, it was exciting to teach those people. It was exciting to share what history provided, but understand it's way more encouraging to offer what the Bible provides. But are you receiving it? Because real receiving requires attention. Real receiving requires attention. It's important you understand that the pursuit of wisdom should be a serious concern for all of you. Whether you're at the elementary age where you've not experienced any real conflict or trial, understand trials are coming. Difficulties are on their way. Your pastor is preparing you for what is coming. And wisdom will help you. Or if you're there in the midst of it, pay attention. Wisdom pays off. Why is this true? Because truth exists. And we must pursue truth. Jesus said, your word is truth. Referring to the very word of God. Truth is found in the scriptures. Do we believe that? I mean, no, we're Bible-believing evangelicals, but do we really believe that the Word of God is inspired, it's infallible? Do we really believe that it offers the wisdom we desperately need even in the 21st century? Do we? I hope so. Because, see, the pursuit of wisdom will be found in God's Word. But the pursuit of wisdom requires humility. The pursuit of wisdom requires humility. I must humbly receive it. I must stop judging the Bible through my lens and start letting the Bible have ownership of me. I have to start understanding that what the Bible says aren't suggestions just for me to determine what I take in and what I don't, and I start altering my life to what the Word of God and wisdom say. 
That's what the pursuit of wisdom looks like. It requires humility. It's admitting I need help. And I'm looking to God's word for that. In fact, our, 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 our proverb describes it as inclining our heart. Inclining our heart towards wisdom. The idea of inclining our heart is the idea of all of our minds, all of our will, all of our emotions are submitted to God's word. This is what it means to be in the pursuit of wisdom. To come humbly and to uh, be totally captivated and committed to the word of God, submitting our entire selves to God in his way. But understand, this receiving requires activity. There's two things that are described in verses 3 and 4 regarding this activity. The first is diligent prayer, and the second is intentional study of God's word. I want to draw your attention to intentional, diligent prayer. Look at verse 3. If you call out, if you raise your voice, if, if, if you pray, how many of us really pray? How many of us really seek God's face in prayer? I'm not talking the quick prayer before you eat, but diligently seeking God's face in prayer. Humbly coming and admitting we need help. That's what prayer is. It's about a posture. It's about humility. It's about admitting need. That's what prayer is. It's desperately pleading for understanding. That's what prayer is. It's calling out. It's raising your voice. That's what it means to pursue wisdom. That's the humility that's expressed in one who's truly inclining their heart. They're diligently praying. They're diligently seeking God's face. It's not just simply prayer. But it's actually seeking. It's searching, according to verse 4. It's seeking and it's searching. The picture is that of one who's on a passion quest. Not the kid who's supposed to be looking for a shoe before school and says, Mom, I can't find it. We all know that kid. I don't know, Mom. I can't find it. I've looked everywhere. That's the way many of us read our Bibles. I don't know. But friends, that's not what's described here. It's described as one who's seeking silver. One who's searching with passion with all of their heart for the hidden treasure. One who's not satisfied with just the crumbs. But wants the silver and the wisdom that the word of God provides. It requires being intentional in study. It's about going where wisdom can be found and mining for it. Pursuing it. 
understanding that the Bible is God's word, and I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to keep studying. This is what it means to pursue wisdom, which requires humility and inclining our hearts, all of our minds, our emotions, and our will. It's through diligent prayer and intentional study of God's word. Friends, understand this pursuit of wisdom requires effort. It requires, again, prayer and the study of God's word. It's about being active. But far too many Christians are passive, specifically about prayer and God's word. We used to be called Bible-believing Christians. Are we? Are we? Do we really believe what the word of God says? Far too many of us have a flippant attitude about everything. Whatever will be, will be. Let me be very clear. That's fatalism. Nowhere taught in Scripture. The one who's truly pursuing wisdom will not be lazy. They will be diligent in prayer, intentional in study. The one who is wise is in hot pursuit of God's truth. The one who's seeking wisdom is seeking biblical wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Maybe you heard of a man by the name of Martin Luther. Anybody? Interesting story about Martin Luther. You know, he struggled and wrestled with the scriptures. Far too many of us believe that he just picked up the Bible one day, started flipping through the scriptures and said, oh, wow, never saw this before, and now let's change the world. Friends, that's not how it happened. He wrestled. He wrestled in prayer. He wrestled in study. He wrestled. Those who wish to gain wisdom must wrestle. If you wrestle in prayer, if you wrestle in study. Friends, we can be far too passive when it comes to the matters that should matter most. We should all be intentionally seeking biblical wisdom. I said a few minutes ago, I wish my dad was here just to help me with projects, just to give me insight about life. Friends, I don't have to say that about God. He's present, and he's given us his word. He's revealed his will for us. All we need to do is mine it. Be diligent in studying it. Being faithful in praying and calling out and seeking him. So church, I ask you, are you diligently pursuing wisdom? Are you? Or are you more flippant about it? Whatever will be, will be. Let me tell you, whatever will be, will be only works while the things are going good. Because when things start not going so good, you're starting to be like Job. Where's wisdom? Give me wisdom. <laughs> Somebody help. Give me wisdom. I'm trying to prepare you for that day. Again, if you're at the elementary level, understand hard times are coming. 
And if you understand hard times, are you truly, diligently pursuing wisdom in the midst of them? Are you crying out to the Lord in prayer? Are you seeking the word of God in your decisions? Are you inclining your whole heart in the wisdom pursuit? These are important questions that we all must answer. Are I seriously, diligently pursuing wisdom? Unfortunately, the answer for most of us is no. And that's bad news. Because that leaves us without excuse. And Romans 1 makes it very clear that man is without excuse. God in this very creation has shown his wisdom. He's shown the reason we should pay attention to him. We should pursue him. We should follow him. We should listen to him. But man in the hardness of his heart doesn't. Because man is a rebellious teenager thinking they know best. But all the while, God says, listen. Listen. And the bad news is, we'll all be held accountable for the wisdom that was available, but we reject it. As I let that sink in, I want to tell you about the benevolence and the mercy of God. Because even in the stubbornness of our teenage years, our rebellious spirits, God pursues us. Praise God for his mercy. I draw your attention to verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. Church, that's grace. Anytime you read in the Bible where it says God gives, it's grace. God is not required to give us anything. But in his benevolence, in his mercy, in his long-suffering with your teenage rebellion, he gives you wisdom. And he does this. Look at what verse 6 says. He does this from his mouth. He does this from his mouth. Church, understand, in verse 5 is the payoff. Because then all of a sudden you understand the fear of the Lord. And it comes by diligent pursuit, by, by, by the calling and raising of our voices through prayer, by the, the seeking and the searching. But we need to understand that ultimately any blessing we get through prayer, any blessing we get through study is a blessing that comes from God's grace. In the church, we have a fancy name, the ordinary means of grace. You know what prayer is? It's ordinary. You know what Bible study is? It's ordinary. 
But let me tell you, they're ordinary means by which God provides wisdom for his church. God provides wisdom through these ordinary means of prayer and his word. And he does this in great benevolence and love for us because God's goal is that we would know him and that we would reverence him. God's goal is that we would know him and we would reverence him. That's true wisdom. And this type of wisdom only comes as we diligently and intentionally pray and study God's word. And so God, through his mouth, he grants the means. Yes, he granted it through creation and his creation as his creation shows who he is, but understand his creation and the revelation through general revelation, the things that he's given us in his creation, is only enough to condemn you. It's only enough to show there's a God. It's only enough to say, God is there and I never pursued him. But God's special revelation, his word, is given to his church that we might listen and we might be changed by his grace. God promises that his word will never return void. God promises that salvation comes by hearing his word. His word is truth, Jesus said. His word is the place where God's grace is given to us. Grace that we can call out to him and grace that he responds through his word. Do you know what a special means of grace it is to be in relationship with God that you can talk to him and he talks to you? To have that access all the time, I go back to, I wish I could have my earthly father to give me information about plumbing and car repair and woodworking. But guess what? I have my heavenly father who's given me the most important information I ever need about my eternal destiny in all the struggles in this life that I will ever face. And he says, I'm here and I'm communicating to you because I'm gracious, I'm loving, and I'm merciful even in your hard-hearted rebellion. I'm here. What a beautiful picture of our God That he gifts wisdom through his word by grace. That he uses means. Yes, he uses the means of prayer. And yes, he uses the means of the word. But friends, I want to tell you, he also uses the means of the aged. Church, we should love the older people because those older saints do something. They express for us the struggle of life and the years of looking to Christ. They're testimonies of God's work and faithfulness that we should never disregard. But we should earnestly thank God for precious, precious treasures. A means God uses to bless his church. 
So fathers, so disciplers, are you regularly using the means of grace in your home? Are you praying with your family? Are you driving them to the word of God? Are you pointing them to the promises and the security and the wisdom that's found in Christ? And again, if you say, I'm not a father, I'm off the hook. No! If you're a believer, you're to be pouring into other people those same truths. So are you? Are you using the regular means of grace in your home and in your life? Are we using the means of grace God has graciously provided? Are we? Church, the truth is we all desire wisdom. And if not yet, you will. Because difficulty is a reality for all of us. We live in a fallen world. Sin is all around us, but sin isn't just outside of us. Sin is inside of us. And we make bad decisions which bring about consequence and ultimately catastrophe. To which we begin to say, help! And Jesus is there. And he says, here I am. I am the ultimate truth. I am wisdom. But are we running to him? Are we seeking wisdom diligently in pursuit of Christ? Are we seeking the grace that Christ provides through the ordinary means given to the church? Specifically prayer and the word. Is wisdom our passion? Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Notice what he says. I'll give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. Friends, at times you may seem like you're mining and mining and mining, and you're on your knees crying and crying and crying. You say, where is Christ? He's there. He might be stretching us in some ways so that ultimately we see our need of him. Our dependence that is so essential upon him. That's why he said, come to me, all who labor, all who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Do you believe it? Do you believe his words when he says, take my yoke upon you? Learn from me? When he says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, I'm kind and I'm gracious, do you believe it? Do you trust him when he says you'll find rest for your souls in me? That's the promise of wisdom delivered in the person and work of Christ. But church, is Jesus our passion? Is Jesus truly our desire? is the wisdom he possesses as God himself who made the invisible visible. Do we desire him above all things? Are we diligently pursuing wisdom? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder 
of the payoff. And the payoff being, Lord, that we know you. And as we know and grow in our knowledge of you, we become more secure. We become more confident. We become less worried. And Lord, in a world where everything seems to be changing moment by moment, fear is is inevitable. And so, God, I pray that in our pursuit of comfort, we would look to Christ where real divine wisdom exists. I pray that our hope and our love would be you. That you'd break through the hardness of our hearts and help us to see the joy of the rest you provide. God, I pray that in all things, you would be glorified and we would be transformed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.